Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We are excited to kick off our fall season with a series this year called Builders. And uh, of course, yes, it has something to do with the land. It has something to do with the, uh, the future of, of us building a facility, all those things. But I want you, I want to make sure that we never, ever miss the heart of what God is doing. And um, I, I just, as we, I'm just going to pray as we start today. Um, man, I'm just really excited. I'm really excited for what I see. I'm really excited for the vision. I'm excited for how I see people coming to the vision. And uh, this message today is largely about joining yourself, not just to the vision of this house, but to the overall call of God that's actually on your life, whether you knew it or not. So, Father, we're so thankful for your presence today. And forever, God, we're thankful for what Jesus did for us at the cross. And, Lord, we choose today to live and move and have our being in you. Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in our actions, in our worship, in our hearts. But Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would speak to us to make it plain to us this morning what it is you want to say to each and every one of us for the place we're at. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, builders, I don't have a fancy title. I just called it part one. And the media team is going to text me today or tomorrow and be like, really, is that it? That's so lame. Just part one. I didn't know what to call this one. Just builders, part one. So... We're really excited about uh, planning and working, and I guess I haven't given you an update on the land um, recently. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of work over there in the past few months, and we actually have a work day planned for October 1st. We want the whole church to come out, and we're going to demolish some things, and I don't want to tell you about that we're going to pick up garbage after that. Mostly, I just want you to focus on the fact we're going to demolish a thing or two, Okay. So you who have a lot of anger issues and need them to be worked out in the presence of the Lord, it's going to be a great day for you, all right? And um, we're going to have some food and some fellowship together. That's exciting. Um, we, we have uh, meetings going on right now um, with some building design people and uh, really, really exciting stuff that is, is happening. And we are, we are taking steps and we are moving forward. And um, we want to be intentional about bringing those little updates to you as often as we can because, because Habakkuk 2.2 says to write down the vision and make it plain so that everyone who sees it can run with it. And we want to put it in front of you, not because we're, we're desperate or because, or because we're worried that you're not with us. Man, we, we know you're with us, but we want to make sure that we are in step and in unity as a church family on this. We will not let division uh, be one of the byproducts of what we get to do as a church in this day of our lives. So um, I'm looking forward to it. One day we're going to have a building. It's going to be great. And this is a great building. This is a great space. But you know what the problem with this space is? We've got to tear down and set up every weekend. It's a lot of work. And we've been tearing up and setting down for about 16 years now. Yeah, Carlisle knows. I'm surprised Dallas hasn't spoken up at this point. Dallas, are you still with us or did the Lord take you home? I don't, what happened to Dallas? Dallas, he's... He's just, <laughs> what's, what's going on? He was busy taking something down or setting something up. That's how busy Dallas was right now. Uh, but, but one day we're not going to do that. We're going to have great space for kids' ministries, and, and we're going to have great ministry space for old people. Like, I'm already planning the stages of how we're going to build an old folks' home on the corner of the property so that me and all the other old people in that day, we're going to be playing Canasta Saturday nights. Jody, Jody uh, is, Della's already said she's going to win all the Canasta but we're going to walk over from the old folks' home in the parking lot 
to church on Sunday morning where then we in our 80s and 90s get to complain about why there's no electric guitar in the worship service anymore. Right? Like that's the future. We've got to think long, and we've got to build long, and we've got to dream long. Vision is about the future. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think that vision is about the now, but the vision that's the now is already becoming the past because it's present. And so without vision, the Bible says, the people perish, or the people are in chaos, or, or there is great sadness in the people, depending on the translations you might be able to find to read. It says a number of things like that. And the reality of vision is vision is a life-giving thing to God's people. Looking ahead, and if you, if you want to just do a little fun study, just notice how many times in Scripture it actually refers to looking ahead. And then how many times it infers looking ahead. It happens all the time. All right. Um, Gathering places, I want you to hear this. So gathering places come and go. Buildings come and go. They, they actually don't mean a whole lot to the kingdom of God. The Crystal Cathedral, some of you are too young to even know what that is, but who knows what the Crystal Cathedral in San Francisco, California is. Okay, great man of God built this. Schuler, Robert Schuler was his name. He built this amazing church. It's all glass. I can't even imagine what it cost to air condition that place in San Francisco. But he built this in, incredible church and beautiful the architect, the design is all to the glory of God. I believe that church is actually a mosque today. I, I can't remember for sure, but it, it changed hands, and there's some things that have happened. And I mean, it's just not what it was anymore. So someone can go ahead and Google that and then correct me if I need to be corrected. But, uh, but it is not the same thing because, because God is not interested in investing himself in terms of his presence in stones. And he, he's, not, he's not interested in habitating a hollow, empty room. He's, he's not interested. He never has been interested in those things. Yet, God has always been looking for someone to build his habitation. And if you want to jump ahead right now, you can flip to Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, one of my favorite passages of my whole life in Scripture. I've sung, more, I've sung this Scripture probably as much or more than any other Scripture in my life. Because it's so profound to me, and it's caused me to steward the presence of God in my life in a way that I don't even know how to explain it to other people. Because I'm actually overwhelmed by what Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 says. And I want you to hear the words as we read it together, as we understand this this morning. You know, God is building, Jesus is building his church. And that church does have physical structure. That church has administration. The church has governance. The church has order so that there's not chaos. The church has a lot of things. And the church is a major expression of God's body. In fact, it's the major It is the expression of God's body. The Bible actually talks about how you know, we're the body of Christ, Jesus being the head of the body. And if you can just understand this morning that Generations Church is actually just one extension of that body. Now, there are, some, there are some churches out there that I don't, I'm pretty sure they're not attached to the same head that we are. Okay, there's some cults out there. They're not attached to Jesus. They're attached to some other philosophy or thing. And so when we talk about the church, we need to make sure that we're talking about it in the context of what it actually is, which is the body of Christ. It is not a political entity. Now, the church has political power. The church does have politics in it. Of course, all those things can be true. But understand, in its identity, when we talk about the church, we are talking about the global body of Christ. And our church, Generations, is an expression of that by extension. Now, for each one of you, of course, are the same thing. You are all members of the body 
by extension, an individual expression. And today you might be a hand, tomorrow you might be a foot, you might be an eye, whatever. It's just a metaphor. Sometimes people forget that, that the Bible does a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of word picture to help us understand. But I want you to understand that, as I've said many, many times before in this church, that God has always been interested in living in tents. All through Scripture. I mean, yeah, Solomon built a temple, and, you know, the, Herod built the temple after that, and, and then the temple was destroyed ultimately, and there really is no temple to speak of today, at least not in the glory of what it used to be. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that it's because God's plan has always been to dwell in tents, in houses of flesh. I think that if we can understand what it means to be, and we'll talk a lot about this in the weeks to come, but to be living stones built into a spiritual house. We don't understand masonry anymore. Like if we want something made out of stone, what do we do? We pour concrete. And concrete's very easy to form. Concrete's very easy to work with. It's actually relatively easy to mix. You just need manpower and equipment. But, but stones are a different thing, like real masonry, where, where you are carving stone and you're shaping it and fitting it together. And it would probably serve us all well to, I don't know, YouTube something on stone masonry, um, not, not like the secretive cult organization, but, but, but actual understanding how rock is hewn and shaped and fit together. Because that's imagery that the Bible is using to describe how we fit. And I think sometimes in the church, if, if everybody would understand what it means to a stone to be chipped and carved and hewn, to put in place, I think, I think you all might have a little more patience for the processes that church puts people through. Because it takes time. You don't just get to show up with uh, air tools and grinders and just hack off whatever you want. You have to work with each individual stone. And the Bible actually says that we're living stones being built into a spiritual house, and God is actively fitting us together to make what he wants. Now, to the, to the text for today, um, I guess in my notes maybe I should comment on this. There's a lot of builders in the Bible, some good, some not so much. If you read it, you'll see. Uh, but Moses was a builder. David wanted to be a builder. Solomon was a builder. Abraham was a builder. I mean, Nehemiah was a builder. We can go on and on and on. And there were a lot of bad guys who did some building too, like the Tower of Babel. You know, that, that didn't go so well for the people who were building that. General contractor basically got fired by God. I'll wait for you to catch up. Right? But everywhere we look in Scripture, we do. We see building. And everywhere in this world, nature itself is a structure that is constantly building. And in the kingdom of heaven, it's an entity that is constantly building because Jesus wants to build his church. Now, we're going to go to the Old Testament, Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, I'm reading from the NASB, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you could build for me, and, there, and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things, thus all things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble, who is contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. All right. God is looking 
for someone to build a house for him. It's, it's right there. Right there. Just back it up so we can read that again, please. 66.1. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Next slide. Where then is a house you could build for me? Do you know how often in the Bible when you read the words you, it's actually talking to you? I think we miss that sometimes. I think that we read it over and it's like, and you, it's like, oh yeah, well God's talking to Isaiah or Isaac, or he's talking to whoever. He, he's saying you to someone else. Can I just tell you today by the Holy Spirit, if you open your heart, open your mind, listen to what God is saying to you, most of the time in the Bible when you read the words you, the Bible is talking to guess who? You. Now don't take that out of context. And don't, don't get all weird and rebellious so I have to be like, you probably need to get beat on for a while. Don't, don't make us go there. But can you just understand that when the Bible says Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is a house that you could build for me? That it's just possible that the God of heaven and earth is talking to you, Sam, sitting in that seat right there. You. You're the you God is talking to. Alicia knows. Alicia, you're the you that God is speaking to. Because his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It separates joint and marrow, soul and spirit. It is an active living word. It is the rhema word of God, not just the logos word of God. It is spiritually empowered and active at all times. And so when God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, by the way, that's for all the flat earthers in the world today. If you are one, I still love you. I just don't care. Um, But the Bible, if you're that much of a literalist, the earth is a footstool. Okay? Just... Some things we get so invested in trying to argue people, it's like, how is somebody going to find Jesus because of your argument? If it's not, shut up. No, seriously, stop it. If it's not going to move somebody at least one increment closer to Jesus, I think you should stop it altogether. Don't do it. If you, if, if, listen, businessman, if you're out there making money and somehow it's not moving anybody in your world closer to Jesus, you're missing your calling. Yeah, that won't preach very well. I'm giving up on my marriage. I'm so frustrated. I'm this and that. My relationships, this or that. Listen, if you're not moving someone near you closer to Jesus, at least incrementally, every day of your life, you're missing your assignment. That was for free. Where is the house you could build for me? And where is the place that I may rest? God's looking for someone. You. You. To build his house. So here's my first question in this series for you. Are you willing to be the builder? We have a number of home builders in this church. Like a number of them. In fact, a good percentage of the people, specifically men in this church, work in some kind of relationship with the housing industry. We have a lot of builders in this church. But will you be a builder of the house of God? This is my question that we're going to keep coming back to in this series over and over and over again. And if I have to stay in this series until 2023, God help me, I will. Because we are going to become a church of builders or I am going to die trying to get you there. We're going to be a church that builds. 
We're going to be a leader, a leadership style of church that builds leaders. We're going to be a style of leadership that builds human beings, that builds marriages, that builds families, that builds and builds and builds and builds. We're not going to stop building because the assignment that God has given is that even though heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool and he's made everything that is, he's still looking to someone to build his house for him. Who's it going to be? Someone say you. You. Everybody take out your iPhone or your Galaxy or whatever you got. Take the camera on. Do the flip screen. Look at it and say to yourself, you. Where is the house that you could build for me? I have always marveled at this. Um, It's my favorite passage for this reason. Because when you get to the second half, where is the house you could build for me? And where is the place that I may rest? I remember the first time that hit me right between the eyes. I started crying. I was probably a teenager. And I'm going, what? Somebody help me understand how the God of heaven and earth, who in verse 2 says, I've made everything, but I'm still looking to you to build me a place where I can rest. In other words, God wants someone to build him a house where where he does not have to be. Where he does not have to be anyone but the God of rest. Now, we could do a whole other message right now. I mean, I'm serious. I could preach the whole other message on the power of rest and what that means because he is the God of rest. He's looking for someone to build him a house where he could rest. And I'm going, God, you're, you're looking to someone like me to build you a place where you can rest. This is crazy. Have you seen me, God? Like, do you really know me? He's like, and my hand has made all of these things. Yes, that's a silly question. You've made all the things, but you're still going to look to me to build this habitation, a place that you can rest. Wow. I then am further flabbergasted. Sure, why not? Flabbergasted. Seems like a good word to use in the moment. That God does not look for a builder of his place of rest that is qualified by degrees or certificates or engineered stamps. No, God's not even looking for qualified tradespeople to build the house that he can rest in, to build this place for him to rest. What what does it say that God is looking for in a person who could build him his house? One who is humble and contrite of spirit and who is trembling at his word. Now, let's just be honest for a moment. Who of you would build a house right now today and go to your, any one of the builders that we know and say, listen, I want you to build my house, but the only thing I'm worried about when you build my house is that the guys are humble, contrite in their spirit, and trembling at the word of God. I don't think any of us would build that house, would we? You know, if Carlisle came and said, hey, we got a great crew. They will not do any work, but they will pray. They will Bible study. They'll even speak in tongues. They will, they'll do all the spiritual things. See, we got to fix our marriage, and it is a marriage, between our action and our faith in the kingdom of God. 
There's a whole lot of faith that's not activated by any action. Or there's a whole lot of people acting and having action and doing things, but they ain't got no faith. And we got to fix this because those two things in the kingdom of God are actually married together because in the book of Revelation, we're reminded that the righteous deeds of the saints, that's the clothing of righteousness that they wear. And so if we don't have an understanding that our works, our actions, as a result of God's amazing grace in our lives, if it is not active, it's faith without works, which is what? It's death. And see, this, this applies to the message, applies to the series in a whole because of, because of what the implications of that truth are. There's a lot of people in the world. They want to trust God, but they're unwilling to do the next right thing. They're unwilling to commit. Well, my last church beat me up. I can promise you at some point in time, this church is going to beat you up. I'm sorry. We are working with imperfect people. I mean, I'm perfect, right? But everybody below me is imperfect. Of course not. We are all imperfect people, and we do bruise each other, and we do bump into each other, and we do run into each other. But most of you are parenting children, and you understand that that's totally normal. So why in the kingdom of God does it become so weird that you want... Can I just tell you why you're doing that? It's because you want out. Because you're not truly all the way in. And I'm not suggesting for a moment. Some of you are sitting in this church today because God has brought you here, is planting you here, and you're in a season of healing and restoration. Please, I am not suggesting for a moment that you short-circuit God's plans for your rest and your recovering and your restoration and, and jump ahead of the, of the process that he has you in. That would be foolish. But I think we got to fix our understanding of how these things work together because we don't, we don't see it. We don't see it enacted. We don't see this in action everywhere around us all the time. We struggle with simple truths like in this Old Testament passage, for instance, some of you are going to struggle to see the New Testament in this passage. And I don't know if anybody has told you this at the church you came from, but in this church I'll tell you that everything the Old Testament says is to get your attention onto the New Testament for what Jesus was coming to do. Everything. Everything, Pastor Trapp? Yes, literally everything in the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus and His coming. Everything. Even this passage of Scripture, Isaiah 61, if you don't believe me, go ahead and read the rest of the chapter and tell me that that's not about the evangelism of in the future where it talks about bringing all the nations of the earth in and that God would even make some of those Gentiles, he would make them Levites and he'd make them priests. I mean, it's talking about what would happen after Jesus came. So heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you could build for me? Is not just an Old Testament word, but it's a New Testament word for this church because Jesus is still building that church. And you are called to be a builder. A builder in that kingdom. God has always looked for... For people to be his dwelling place. I've said it before. I'm going to say it many, many times between now and the end of this series. You know that God does not care about this gymnasium. In terms of the function of a church, I mean, 
it's, it's just an asset, and we are grateful for it. It's an amazing asset for us and a facility. And we're grateful for the Grand Prairie Christian School and the Society for Christian Education of the Grand Prairie area. We're so grateful for all these people that make it happen. But guys, it's the people. It's the people. Uh, when I was a child, uh, we had the thing with your hands. Some of you might know this. I don't even remember how it works because it's such a fallacy. Um, <laughs> it sounds really harsh. But uh, here's the church, here's the steeple, and then you somehow you open the doors and you see all the people. Right? Yeah, yeah. See, I can't even do it. Um, so from the time I was a little boy, I was like, that ain't right. Because the church is people and people is the church. I don't know why I knew that from the time I was really young. Probably great parents. <laughs> You're welcome, Mom and Dad, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't know how I knew that, but, but to me it's insane. It's insane that people focus on a building being the church. It's not the church. It's actually not even at church. It's a place that keeps the rain and the snow off and the heat in, and, hey, if God really blesses us, it keeps the cool air in in the summer as well. Somebody say amen for air conditioning. We need people waving hankies at this church for things like that, right? You guys, have, you've never preached in Haiti. You don't know what it li it's like to, to lose 15 gallons of body fluids into your shirt and your pants and socks and shoes. There you go, Wesley. boy. I mean, God bless those people who sit shoulder to shoulder 500 at a time down at Haiti Arise in 40 degrees Celsius heat to listen to the Word of God. Guys, the church is the people. And we are called to build a church of people. I've never understood people who think churches can get too big. I, I don't see being big as the problem. I see people becoming disconnected as the problem. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, wouldn't it be cool if the church could be 50,000 people and everything stayed seamless and connected? I think that's hard to build. I don't know how to build that. But I just don't think that the building of the church or the growth of church actually becomes the problem of the church. Good grief, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to their number, just like, like one good preach from Peter after he was full of the Holy Spirit. That church didn't double in size that day, you guys. It went from 200 people to 3,200 people. And if you read the book of Acts, you can't convince me that Jesus is not building a growing church. Like, a massively growing church. Okay. Oh, I knew I'd risk going long. I even shortened my notes way, way up. Um, let me jump to this part. I'm always amazed that God wants his presence to live in me. Still am. I don't deserve that. Like, I am not good enough. I am not qualified enough to deserve to be the dwelling place of God's presence. Yet, he dwells in me. So whatever my arguments or understanding actually kind of becomes moot. <laughs> because, well, he can just overshadow whatever he wants now, can't he? And the same is true for you. But you know, there's even more to us than that. Everything is made by God. God, he dreamed it, he formed it, and he released it into being. 
And just so you know, God is very aware of what he's done. I think sometimes we forget that. Like, God, did you, did you forget you made me this way? Did you, forget, did you forget about this part, God? Did you forget about me altogether? You have those questions, I already know. Um, but he dreamed it, he formed it, he released it into being. And he knows full well, yet, and I'm amazed by this, he looks to one part of his creation to make a place that he can rest. It's like God saying, listen, I made everything. I made you. I made the trees. I made the rocks. I made the flowers. I made the bees. I made the fish. I made the... God just can go through it all. I made all of it. Yet, to this one I'm going to look. If you can just get caught up in the mystery that that is for a moment with me, I'd appreciate it. That a God who makes everything, who can make anything, who can do whatever he wants, somehow stops it all to say, I want you to become a maker with me in something. A maker for me. And I was thinking about that this morning, actually, as I was up early. And this word jumped off the page in a way it never had before. Where is the house that you could build for me? Could. One of the worst words I know. For me, the word could is probably one of my greatest frustrations because I have a tendency to procrastinate on things. Hey, can you do this? Well, I could. And you've all heard the term before, coulda, woulda. Oh, good, you do know this one. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? Um, there was a time when they went around trying to teach people to speak in tongues by saying things like that. Weird time in the world. It was the 70s, Jesus people some of you were those people. We still love you. It's all good. Um. <laughs> oh, dear God, help us. That word could. Where is the house you could build for me? I, w- I could have. Well, I would have. Oh, man, I really should have done that thing. And here's the tragedy for me. One day... Many, many of God's people are going to realize that they had the opportunity to be kingdom builders but missed it because they could have, but they were busy that day. Well, and and they would have, but the kids had a thing. And then the saddest day comes where they say, I should have, I should have been a builder. Because now my kids aren't following Jesus. And that church I used to be a part of, it shriveled up. And it's dying. And it didn't even make it to a third generation. Do you know that the moves of God that happen in the world typically don't make it much longer than three generations? You know why that happens? I, I'm just, my opinion. 
whatever that's worth. It happens because believers, well, I coulda, I woulda, man, I really shoulda. And I think that every one of us can look back in our lives from this moment and probably find hundreds of examples where we have been in those three places already. Even some of you guys who are teenagers still in high school, you can probably look back, junior high school, probably think the things, man, I've done that. I've been there already. It sucks. Jesus talked about some people who woulda, coulda, shoulda in Matthew 22. I just want to share this parable with you. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. So again he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat and livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went on their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the, and the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. And the king was enraged. So he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers. He set their city on fire. Then he said again to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both, good, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen." I want you to pay attention this morning to verse 5. But they paid no attention. And they went on their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves, mistreated, and even killed them. They were too... too, too busy to honor the kingdom. They were too busy to heed the call, to respond to the call. And, and I understand, I, I know in the context of this parable, we're talking about salvation. It's actually talking about how, how the, the Jewish nation missed the Messiah altogether. And so God went out and he gathered the Gentiles as well. He made a way for the Gentiles. Listen, what I need you to hear is, is this part about woulda, coulda, and shoulda. We're going to talk about this series for weeks because we're a building church. We are a building church. And I want you to become saturated with the vision of a building church. We have so much need in our city and our region. We could build for three lifetimes ministries and, and opportunities and groups of people and, and, and systems to help educate and bring people through. We, we could build and build and build for lifetimes. 
and we probably still wouldn't get it all done. There's so much work, there's so much opportunity in this city. There's so much opportunity represented just in the relationships represented in this room right now. So much opportunity. But we don't understand that we're called to build a place for him. God is looking to you. He's looking to you to build his resting place. And we're going to unpack that in the weeks to come. Short version to unpack in the few minutes that I have left. Worship team, you can come back. The short version for you today is that God wants you, yes, you, to be your resting place. He wants your family to be his resting place. He wants your home to be his resting place. God wants to settle his presence in your life and just be there with you. He's looking to that. He's looking for you to build that. But on a larger scale, he's looking for you to not only build that for yourself, for your own little kingdom, but he's looking for you to build that for the people around you to help make their home a resting place, to help make their family a resting place, to help make that couple's marriage a resting place, to help make that guy's business a resting place. You get what I'm saying? The call is for you to be a builder of places for God to habitate, for God to allow himself to, to come into. And, and, and if you could just understand the imagery I feel like God wants to build, he, he wants us to build a place where like there's a lazy boy there and God can just come on in and he can sit down and he can kick his feet up and I, I would like to bring him a drink. I have no idea what God would want to drink, but I want to be the one to bring it to him. And I want to sit in the chair or on the floor or whatever right beside where he gets to recline. And it still makes no sense to me that the God of heaven and earth would choose me to be and to build that kind of habitation. And if I can just say it, Terry, it makes even less sense to me that he's choosing you. Not really. I mean, look at someone beside you and consider the, the audacity, the craziness of this truth. That God is looking to West to build him a habitation. What a profound honor. Isn't that an honor? Isn't it an honor that the God of heaven and earth would say, I'm looking to you. And my requirement isn't that you're perfect. My requirement isn't that you qualify yourself. My, my, my requirement for you is that you're humble because he is showing you, oh man, what is good and what does he require of you? Do justly the love mercy to walk humbly with your God. And he's looking for you to be contrite, to have a breakable spirit, to have a will that is easily bent or broken or changed. And someone who trembles at my word, and I think lots of times when someone reads that, they think, oh, that means I got to live in fear of the word of God. I am far more familiar with trembling because of excitement than I am fear. I don't know if that's the same for you. 
but I don't read the Word of God and see that someone is trembling and think, oh, they're scared to death. What I read is when I see that someone's trembling because of God, that must be one of the most exhilarating and exciting things that could happen to a human being. So you have, if I can just say it this plainly, you have no excuse. God has taken away the requirements that you and I would put in front of ourselves to say we're qualified to build anything. And he just lays out three things that he's already commanded in numbers of other places in Scripture. He's saying, I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you to be my builder. I'm looking to you to be the one who builds a resting place for me. I'm looking for you to build the kingdom with me. I'm looking to you to build a kingdom for me. I'm looking to you to build businesses. I'm looking to you to build families. I'm looking for you to build homes. I'm looking for you to build marriages. I'm looking for you to build systems. I'm looking for you to build up people for my kingdom. I really want to encourage this morning, just about forgot we needed to take a moment and do this too. Now let me do this first. Uh, You might be here today and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Those are his words. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if you can just think back to this parable that I shared with you from Matthew 22 for a moment. There was the, remember the fellow that was sitting in there and the master of, of, the, of the banquet went to him and said, hey, uh, I noticed you're sitting here and you got no wedding clothes on. And the poor guy's like, yeah, I don't have wedding clothes. Throw them out. I'm going I'm to just share with you very clearly what that is a picture of. That is a picture of the people who have been been invited to God's kingdom but have not accepted Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who clothes us for the wedding. He gives us a robe of righteousness. He, he, He gives us his righteousness in place of our unrighteousness. All of our works, the Bible says, are filthy, rags. It's trash, it's garbage. No matter how good our works are, they're not good enough. But Jesus, his work is good enough. In the book of Revelation, it also reminds us that those those righteous works that the saints do that we're called to, the good works that he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, those things that God has predestined us to walk in, called us to, the action he has called us to do, those things can become our righteousness. But it'll never happen to you and it never would have happened for me if it wasn't for Jesus. And so maybe this morning, you got to take care of that. And we would love to pray with you about that. We'd love to talk that through for a minute or two if we need to. But we'd love to see every person in our city understand and come to know what Jesus has done for them. And the power that that is. The power that that has in our lives. I really felt prompted by the Holy Spirit this morning to to just take a moment and uh, talk to and then pray over all of the business people in our church. So if you're a business person, I'd like you to stand up. All the business people. Got your business. 
No, don't worry, I'm not trying to trick you into anything. You guys are going to be the first to give the big offering. <laughs> Listen, God has been speaking to something to Amy and I for many, many months now. In fact, we've got to be well over a year where we've been having this language specifically. But there is, there is an anointing in this church for people who are going to be in business. There's an anointing on your life, and it's a kingly anointing. Because, because here's a model that we actually see in, in the Bible. See, the kings need to go and make war. And then they need to bring the spoils of war back to the house of God. Kings need to go out and make war. I don't really feel like a warrior, Pastor. I don't think that's my calling. No, no. You're called to be a kingdom builder, remember? It is your calling to be a builder. The kings go out to war and bring the spoils of war to the house of God. And then the kings and priests work together. The kings and priests work together to build the kingdom. And the spoils of war are souls, they are finances, they are opportunities, they are connections, they are all of the things that God puts in the hearts and minds of kings to do. To be a king can be a godly call and a godly anointing in your life. Man, I didn't really envision how this should go all the way, so just as I wait on the Lord, you just stay with me. Trav, I know you've been asking. You're praying. Lord, you put a vision in my heart. I want to take the next step. Dallas, I know that you're wondering what to do next. Terry, Tessa, I have a feeling you guys are wondering what's next. Tom, you told me you got exciting things going on. I, <laughs> Jeff, I don't even want to know what God's going to do with you. It's going to be amazing. Was oh, it Josh? I can't. I'm sorry, the light's in my eyes. I actually can't see. <laughs> I literally am blind. Gil, I can see you. Call Casey and Connie. I, I don't know everybody's names. But can I just, I want to pray, I want to pray this anointing over you this morning. Because you're kings. You're kings. And by, by the way, it's not an unfair title because the Bible says all of us are kings and priests unto God. Not, 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 we don't get to be the boss of anything else, but I am a king and a priest unto God. You are kings and priests unto God. And, and I just want to, as we launch this series, I feel like it's so important that you begin to take yourself a lot more seriously. That you are no small man, that you are no small woman in the eyes of God. And though your business might not be huge, it might not make the millions that you want it to make, it might not be in the place you dreamed it could be. In fact, some of you might be standing up today and you're like, my business is two weeks away from closing its doors. I want to invite you this morning to trust God once again. I want to invite you this morning to put your faith in the one who is the source of all faith for what you need. Because the time has come for the kings to go and make war. There are people, there are staff members out there that you have to go get. You have to go fight for them and bring them home. They are the spoils of war for you. 
There's financial opportunities out there that God is preparing for you, and you're going to quit in the dip, and you're going to miss the opportunity that God has been setting up for years because you just felt like you couldn't go one more week. Some of you are waiting to shut something down, and in your heart you know that God has something else for you to start up, but you're afraid to leave the thing that's here because you're not too sure God's going to really be in the thing, even though you think maybe he called you to. You're kings. And kings need to kings need to go to war. And I'm not talking about that in some sort of malicious. But there is an enemy. And I really believe that God wants you to ransack the gates of hell. He wants you to take over the wall and take down the wall and go through the camp of the enemy and take those things which the enemy would use against the people of God and bring them back for the people of God to use in our mission that God has called us to. So Lord, for each person that's standing here today and for any who might be watching online, Father, I pray that right now in this room there would settle on each heart a peace And even, Lord, if it's just the seed, just the beginning of an understanding for what you've called them to, Lord, I pray that businesses in this house would begin to reflect the provision and glory that you have spoken into them, God. Lord, that faith would begin to arise in the hearts of men and women who are called to business, who are called to to finances, who are called to making money, who are called to developing systems and strategies, who who are called and who are gifted in the art of making financial warfare. God, I pray by your spirit today you would rest on them in a new way. Come and rest on us, God. I pray in the name of Jesus. I just hope that that, I hope for you that gives you what you needed today. We're going to sing one last song like we always do. And if you would like prayer this morning, maybe you are that person who needs to make Jesus the center of your life. Come and pray with us about it. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're tired. Like we always say, you don't have to leave this place the same way that you came. You can leave this place today impacted by the presence of a mighty and powerful God. Business people, maybe you need someone to actually lay hands on you, and that's fine. We would love to do it. Actually, just pray with you specifically about something that's in front of you. Let us pray with you. So let's sing this last song. Father, I pray that you would... Give us boldness and strength, each one of us in our hearts, to respond to what you're speaking to our lives today, Jesus. God, we thank you as always for the cross, for your mercy, for your grace in our lives. Amen. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.